today I just want to talk about the shepherd of our souls. The shepherd of our souls. And starting here in 1 Peter chapter 2, when eventually I find it, uh, we read in verse uh, 22, uh, picking up partway through this uh, particular passage, and it says, uh, Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, talking of Jesus Christ, of course, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto, right, uh, live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. And you might be surprised, but when you look up the word uh, shepherd through the scriptures, you actually find it's actually used a bit more than we might think. And it's very descriptive, talking about Jesus as the uh, shepherd that guides and leads us through our life. And I just want to explore a few thoughts uh, on this aspect of Jesus being our shepherd. What's interesting in verse 25, though, it also adds uh, that we were sheep, or as sheep, going astray. And uh, that's what sheep do, isn't it? Sheep left to their own devices equals trouble, uh, because they wander off. They just follow their nose. As it were, where the trail of food is, they'll follow and they don't think about the dangers that lie ahead. And eventually, sheep are caught out through that uh, situation. And we were like that. We were bouncing from one problem in life to another. And we need the guidance that the shepherd provides. We go through life sometimes, and many people do it, and it's just literally out of the frying pan into the fire through difficulty one after the other, and it is just no no way to live a life. And yet uh, the Lord wants to come into our life and be our shepherd, be our guide through life. Uh, it also uses the term here, bishop. And these words, shepherd and bishop, um, are really good together because they have such different meanings. The word shepherd is uh, literally meaning herdsman or shepherd, um, whereas the word bishop that's used here is a superintendent or overseer. And uh, uh, if you think about the bishop, the word bishop, it really is about putting structure, systems, processes in place and ensuring that they work smoothly and that we all fit into that. And that's what the bishop does. Uh, the shepherd is different um, in a herdsman or shepherd and it literally means as a guide or leader. And so leading out in front, but guiding the way for us. And so we need both in our life. We need the leader, we need the guide, but we also need the shepherd that's putting that structure in place that we might follow and walk in that way that uh, we can see the benefits of the Lord in our life. Turn to John chapter 10, and you might put your marker or I won't say put your finger there right now because might be there for a while, but we'll skip away to a few other chapters and then come back to this one periodically uh, for a period of time as we go through the scriptures here. So 
So John chapter 10, um, fascinating passage of scripture and well worth uh, our time in reading through and just spending time to understand what Jesus is teaching. Um, Jesus was a, a wonderful teacher. He spoke exactly what people needed to hear at any point in time. Verse 1, it says, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spoke Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spoke unto them. I'm just reading in John chapter 10. And uh, as we read through these uh, uh, few verses here, the first five verses, it's a parable that Jesus is giving. And when we read the parable, it's not complete in everything that Jesus wants to teach. And in fact, he goes on talking about sheep in one form or another down to verse 27, 28 and describing to us different aspects. Initially, though, is this first parable that he speaks where he talks about uh, the true shepherd that he is as opposed to the thief and robber shepherd that exists and he describes. Firstly, uh, we need to understand a sheepfold. Has everybody seen the pictures of a sheepfold? Yep. So a sheepfold, all they are is a stone enclosure open to the top and they have a gate or a doorway through which uh, sheep are allowed in and uh, they then are kept in there and then they might be taken out into a paddock where there's green pasture where they might be able to feed and then at night time they're brought back into the sheepfold and it's a way of protecting and keeping the sheep safe. So Jesus in his first message here says anyone who enters in some other way other than through the door, is a thief and a robber. So he's particularly talking about shepherds. And the Old Testament speaks about the subject of shepherds quite comprehensively in different places, in the book of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, and we'll look at one of those a little later. And as it does so, it's often berating the leaders of Israel as unfaithful shepherds describing him in such a way. So when Jesus is now talking about being the true shepherd, he's describing initially that, well, you've you've been misled. You've got shepherds that are not really doing what is intended and what God commissioned them to do. And he calls them thieves and robbers. In verse 2, he says, He that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So somebody who's climbing over the wall to get into the sheepfold is obviously somebody who's not doing things right. 
And uh, so it is in churches today. There are churches that are raised up, but somebody's climbed in the sheepfold over the over the stone wall. They haven't entered in through the door, through Jesus Christ, to do things appropriately the way that the Lord calls them to. Jesus, though, let's just keep talking more so about him. He that enters in the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens. And there's aspects of the parable that are extensions, if you like, of the parable as opposed to maybe the um, uh, the core meaning that he's giving. Who's the porter might be the question that you might ask. But I think it's just an illustration that he's making that the good shepherd enters in and the porter lets them in. Uh, you might think of the porter as God, perhaps, that allows the good shepherd in. And the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And we might look at that and think, how does that work? And yet we think about sheep in terms of thousands of acres and herds of motley sheep running around. I think I've I've said before on one occasion that um, when we went to New Zealand and we drove around the South Island in particular, but I think the North Island is not much different, but the South Island really stood out. Um, who's driven around the South Island in New Zealand so knows what I'm talking about? Ooh, that crowd hand went up very quickly there with Wilma. And as you drive around, um, you see these sheep dotted all over the hills. And uh, the girls called them dandra. Um, because you'd see these green hills with these pristine white sheep um, dotted around on, on, on the hills there, feeding on the grass. And we think about sheep in that, or we see the, the sheep farms up north, and I've driven through the the, uh, the north of Australia in different parts, and as you're driving along, there's these dirty, filthy animals that are poor excuses for sheep. Um, and they don't look like the sheep that the Bible speaks about for sure, which again would have been more like your New Zealand variety, uh, clean and uh, well looked after it seems. Uh, and it's just the environment that they live in. And uh, sheep can look uh, all different kinds. Uh, but what we're talking about here is a shepherd who knows each of his sheep and the sheep hears the shepherd's voice. Could you imagine walking into a sheepfold and just calling out, and as you walk out, all these sheep follow you out. But that's exactly what happened in the Bible day. And of course, it's illustrating Jesus Christ that knows his sheep, and his sheep know him, and they know his voice. In verse 5 it says, A stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Um, the word stranger here is a, has a, a little bit of a different meaning to what we might understand as stranger, but it's really describing somebody who they don't know, as simple as that. So somebody else would walk in and say, come on, let's go, fellas, however they do it. Um, and as they walk out, he'd turn around and all the sheep would just be looking, who are you calling? They'd all just be staying there because they didn't recognise the voice of the shepherd. Uh, and this is the relationship that Jesus is talking about between the church and himself, recognising the voice of the true shepherd, the word of God spoken faithfully, 
and being led by it. Let's continue on. In verse uh, 7, it says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. Um, So he's the good shepherd, but he's also the door of the sheep. And he's making another illustration for us that the shepherd would often lie across the doorway to prevent any wild animals getting in. I had a really strange experience out for an evening walk uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I'm just out walking along a path and in front of me, probably as close as me to Myrna, a fox just walked across in front of me. And I've never seen one that close. Normally they would be skittish and if they saw you, they'd run. But um, (laughs) what was more interesting was it was about five or six magpies attacking it. So this poor old fox was just trying to get away, whether the magpies had had an egg stolen or whatever, although it's not really breeding season, I don't know. But these magpies were giving this uh, fox some curry. And this fox went up to a gate, and it was just your typical farm gate with the mesh on there, the solid mesh that they have. And it just jumped through one of the holes about that big. And I was amazed to watch it. I just thought, how easy is it for a fox to get inside? Um, And yet the shepherd lay down so that if there was anything that came to attack the sheep, he'd be the first line of defense. Jesus Christ does that for you and I. And these are the important things for us to remember of our relationship with the Lord. Um, A lot of people have a misunderstanding of how close the Lord is to us. A lot of people like to go on perhaps the emotional side of feeling close to God. But the truth is, once we're born again, once we're filled with God's Holy Spirit, Jesus describes himself as a friend that is closer than a brother, who's laid down his life for us, that wants to be a part of our life to lead and guide us and keep us safe throughout our lives. In verse 8, All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. He's talking about the religious leaders. They're just thieves and robbers. They're feeding themselves and not looking after the sheep in the way that God always intended. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. Now that verse, it just is so easy to read and yet it's full of information, encouragement for us all. He's the door, the very entrance. There is salvation in no other name. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 reminds us of that. It's only through Jesus Christ we can be saved. Through his death and resurrection, through the power of being filled with the Holy Spirit that he gives to us that he died to make available in the new life that he's given. And uh, as much as he's the door, he says if we enter in, we're saved. We accept the invitation given to us to be born again, to receive of God's Holy Spirit, to go through the waters of baptism and we cross into the new life and therefore we're able to go in and out, to be led by the shepherd 
and to find pasture that will feed the inner man, will feed the soul. So much of life today, even in our own lives, is spent feeding the outer man, isn't it? Nourishing the outer man. For what purpose and what benefit we have to ask ourselves, because it's all temporal, it's all short term, it's never going to sustain us through and beyond this life and into eternal life. And yet Jesus wants to sustain our soul and to nourish our soul, to feed our soul and to lead us so that our soul is cared for and looked after. He wants to care for our natural needs, of course, but he says don't go overboard with it. Don't get carried away in this life and everything that we might have. You know, that dream that we might have of the perfect house I remember many years ago, a lady had this image and she kept on talking about it. Her house was this house and it had a white picket fence out the front. I don't think she ever got it that I can think of. Um, but that was her image of what the perfect house looked like and that was something that she was very driven to obtain. And we can have all sorts of desires in our life, but they can actually work against what God wants to do in our life and we've got to put those things aside that we might be fed and nurtured by the Lord. In verse 10, the thief comes not for to, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And I, I hear in testimonies quite often people saying, oh, um, not life wasn't meant to be easy, but uh, you know we, we have our fair share of trials, and we do. But never let that be seen as in some way um, drowning out the abundant life the Lord has given to us. Because we've got an absolute fullness in our life that God has given to us. And a joy that sits inside us of the future hope of glory with the Lord, to live forever. Uh, It's reserved for us in the eternities, the Bible describes it. And that's our future. And the Lord's ever present with us to comfort and to reassure and to be walking with us side by side and not leave us abandoned, not leave us as orphans, as it describes only a few chapters away from here in John chapter 14. He won't leave us comfortless or as orphans, but he places the comforter inside us that he might abide with us forever, forever. And yet sometimes we speak in terms like, my life's not very good, or I've got all these problems in my life. And sure, we might have, but don't let them get drowned out by the abundant life given to us by the Lord, the future hope and the joy of being filled with the Holy Spirit and being fed through the Word of God and through prayer and the Spirit, just constantly built up of how good it is to be in the Lord, how different we are to the people of this world. You can flick the news on and you can hear all of the sad stories going on in life. Um, And it's true, life is not easy. But by the grace of God, the fullness that we've received from the Lord is so much greater, so much better, so much richer. And you often see it as people reach older years in life. I look at people in their 80s. And you can take a couple in their 80s 
in the church and you take a couple that are just in the world and generally speaking, the couple in the Lord are going to look younger, they're going to have a more positive outlook in life and they just are so different to the average couple that are in this world. In this world, they're very much looking at body parts breaking down, (laughs) to put it uh, mildly. Uh, They're looking at uh, death isn't far away. Have they got everything in order and all of those kinds of things and the worries of life and survival and so on. Whereas often, all we're looking at when we're older in the Lord is how good it is to be in the Lord. And that's what we've got to hold on to. And Jesus wants us to appreciate it. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and cares not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and are known of mine. As the Father knows me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So many good points in here as well, but just to pick out one or two. uh, He speaks there as a contrast between being the good shepherd and a hireling. A hireling is a wage earner. And you just picture it as Jesus describes it. The shepherd's in the sheepfold, and the wolf pack comes. And he can see the wolf pack getting in, the shepherd that's a hireling. What's he going to do? I'm not paid to give my life for the sheep. I'm out of here. Let the sheep fend for themselves. And that's what Jesus is describing. All that came before him. They're just hirelings. And yet, the good shepherd laid down his life. Jesus went to death to give us the abundant life, to make sure that we've got the safety, protection, nurture, nourishment, encouragement that we need and to be led in such a good way as we are, praise the Lord. In verse 13 it says, The hireling flees because he is a hireling and cares not for the sheep. The word care there means to be of interest to or concern. There's no interest, they don't have a genuine heartfelt concern in the way that Jesus Christ has. He's the good shepherd that has this love and care for his sheep. He knows them in verse 15 it describes. Um, I want to read this, yes I do. Let's uh, just look at another scripture here, keep our finger there, but turn over to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, scriptures that we're perhaps familiar with as well. In verse 3 it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We've been born again to a living hope, as it describes, through Jesus' own resurrection, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away and reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you're in, mani- in heaviness, sorry, through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honour 
and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. And that perhaps uh, ties in with what we were just speaking about, of the abundant life that we have. But this is what the Good Shepherd has come to give us. Even though we go through our trials and temptations and difficulties and the challenges of this life, there's far more that we've received and we have of the Lord. Our eyes need to be open to it. And it comes through prayer. It comes through reading the Word of God. It comes through being here and uh, uh, spending the time in fellowship as we do, encouraging one another, maybe thinking about a brother or sister through the week and giving them a call and having a chat and saying, oh, I've just been thinking about you. How's everything going? And uh, not that we have to be busybodies in other people's affairs, but we want to encourage and just uh, maybe have a chat, be friendly and uh, support each other as we do. Um, and uh, to continue to believe. Now think about that word believe, how important it is to us, to having confidence in the Lord, to have that trust, that reliance on the Lord. And that's what the word literally means, to have a trust in, rely upon, to adhere to. Um, Myrna's uh, just handed over a few of her old Bibles, and one of the um, books that she handed over was a, a Young's Concordance. Uh, Young's being different to Strong's. I'm not sure I won't go into the details into the difference between the two. But remember, when I first came to the Lord, you had to have a Young's Concordance <laughs> was the guidance that we had. And so you got a Young's Concordance and you could look up words and see what they meant. And the word believe was always trust in, rely upon, adhere to. So it's always stuck in my mind. That's what the word means. And we do well to remember things like that. When we read the word believe, it's not just to acknowledge, as many would say today, but it's to have a complete, total faith in, to commit to, trust in, rely upon, adhere to. And so, believing, we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Come back to John chapter 10. In verse 14, I just want to read that from the Amplified Bible, where it says, I'm the good shepherd and know my sheep and are known of mine. The Amplified brings out, I'm the good shepherd and I know without any doubt those who are my own and my own know me and have a deep personal relationship with me. Uh, and I just encourage, you know, spending time with the Lord. Um, Jesus spoke in, in Matthew about uh, Matthew chapter 6, is it? Verse 5, uh, chapter 5 or 6, there, 6 I think it is, about having time in our closet with the Lord between us and him alone, spending time with our scriptures, spending time in prayer, close relationship, developing that deep personal relationship with the Lord, knowing his will, knowing him, knowing that he knows us and that we can enjoy the benefit of that closeness that we have, that uh, encouragement of knowing the Lord is taking an interest in all of us. And, of course, individually as he does. Ezekiel chapter 34. Uh, we will come back to John 10 again. Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel is one of those books that can be difficult to understand. Chapter 34 isn't quite so. Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 1. 
And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, Thus says the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat, you clothe, you with the wool, you kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. You get the message there? It's really amazing the way the Lord is describing it. He's actually making the point. You kill the sheep to eat them. And to, you actually clothe yourself with the wool of the sheep. And yet you don't care for the sheep, is the point uh, that's being made about the shepherds of Israel. Verse 4. The diseased have you not strengthened, Neither have you healed that which was sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken, neither have you brought again that which was driven away, neither have you sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have you ruled them. It's harsh, isn't it? Stark, the contrast between the good shepherds and not so good and what's expected of shepherds. And the good shepherd, well, he's... uh, Strengthened the diseased, he's healed the sick, bound up that which is broken, it's Jesus and his ministry, isn't it? Uh, Brought again that which is driven away, seeking that which was lost, exactly what Jesus came to do. And so uh, it describes his ministry, and I'm sure uh, as we read through Ezekiel 34, uh, there's some perhaps inspiration that Jesus took from this chapter in uh, writing or speaking the words that we read in John chapter 10. Uh, verse 5, And they were scattered because there is no shepherd, and they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains upon every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth, and none did search or seek after them. You can just picture Jesus lamenting in John chapter 10, unfortunately, the situation of Israel and how poorly it was being cared for through the shepherds of Israel at the time. And so he came to change all of that, introduce the new, the living way that we've now got in our lives and to be led by the Lord. Um, Down in verse 11. It says, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, even I, will both search out or search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Again, very descriptive, isn't it? A cloudy and dark day, perhaps where shepherds aren't able to um, rein in the sheep and bring them all in together and so they go off wandering and maybe they get uh, caught in the thickets or maybe they're in the dam somewhere, uh, uh, not uh, uh, caught in the mud or whatever it might be and uh, a shepherd comes along and has to seek out each one, one by one, to bring them in, clean them off, make sure they're healthy, look after them and uh, uh, make sure that they're in the sheepfold overnight and then back out in the fields during the day. In verse 13, I'll bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. So 
the description here now is sheep scattered throughout the world and being drawn in one by one, being brought in to the kingdom of God and cared for by the Lord. Verse 14, I'll feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There they shall lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I'll feed my flock and I'll cause them to lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick and I'll destroy the fat and the strong. I'll feed them with judgment. Again, I don't know about you, when I read passages like this, I just get so much joy in thinking about our relationship with the Lord and how being part of a fellowship where the truth is preached and where we come to know the Lord through being baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit that we've been given such a wonderful opportunity to live this life with the Lord as our guide, as our leader, as our shepherd that cares for, tends to us and will look after us, just as it's been described once more in verse 16, uh, even as we might get lost at times, that uh, we're brought back, bound up, sorry, and uh, that which was broken, strengthened if we're sick, and uh, how the Lord is continually looking after us. In verse 23 he says, I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. It's not talking of David, of course, but what we know of David, when he was called, what was his job? He was a shepherd, wasn't he? Looking after the sheep. And so he was called, and it's talking here of Jesus, that would uh, feed the sheep and be their shepherd. Verse 24, And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them, I the Lord had spoken it. Really interesting verse at the end of the chapter, down in verse 31, says, And you, my flock, the flock of my pasture, are men, and I am your God, says the Lord God. Not just a little reminder that's put in there. Just remember our place. We're all sheep being led by the Lord. God is actually in charge. Now there's another aspect to sheep. They actually have to submit to the authority of the shepherd. They actually have to allow the shepherd to look after them. Uh, There's a book uh, written by a man called Philip Keller uh, which is talking about Psalm 23 through the eyes of a shepherd. Anyone know the book? Ben does. It's an interesting little book as uh, this man just uh, went from uh, just being a city slicker, I think, to um, buying a farm and looking after sheep. And he discovered as he did so the truths that are in Psalm 23 in how sheep react. In one chapter, he uh, he speaks about a sheep that just would never toe the line and it ended up leading other sheep astray. You know what happened to that sheep? <laughs> Yes, lamb chops. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. We read, Now the grace of, uh, sorry, the God of peace that brought again from the dead 
our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. It's interesting, when you read um, a King James version of the Bible and other Bibles that have headings placed inside the chapters here, this is called the benediction at the end of the book of Hebrews. And uh, it's a bit like a prayer, if you like, a, a final closing prayer concluding here. So the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd or that great shepherd of the sheep, remembering the blood of the everlasting covenant to make us perfect. Um, How far are we going to read here? Verse uh, 22. And I beseech you, brethren, suffer the word of exhortation, for I have written a letter unto you in a few words. So Paul is saying here, I beseech you, suffer the word of exhortation. Um, the word suffer there um, means to hold up, erect. You know, hold it up. Use that word in our lives. Don't put it aside. Um, the encouragement that we receive. Verse 21. I just want to read this from the Amplified Bible. It says, Equip you with every good thing to carry out his will and strengthen you, making you complete and perfect as you ought to be accomplishing in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. And uh, this is what uh, the Lord wants in our lives, that we submit to the Lord and his authority to take the direction, the guidance, the teaching, the learning that he wants to impart. Turn back to John chapter 10, verse 27, on the point that we've just been reading. It says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Isn't that wonderful? That when we're the Lord's sheep, and when we behave like sheep, and when we're allowing the Lord to lead us, as, as we allow a shepherd to lead, or as a shepherd leads the sheep, then... There's a wonderful future, isn't there? I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. We might go through our difficulties in life, but the Lord is always there to lead us and take us through the circumstances to give us a peace, to give us a joy in our life. Yeah, verse 27, again from the Amplified, it says, The sheep, that are my own, hear my voice and listen to me. I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never, ever, by any means perish and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. The word hear that's used here, my sheep hear my voice, it means to be endowed with the faculty of hearing, that seems pretty obvious, not to be deaf, uh, to attend to, Consider what is or has been said to understand, to learn, to comprehend. So it's not just to have two ears, but it's rather to use those ears to take in the teaching the Lord is giving to us and allow the Lord to lead and teach and guide us as he wants to do. Turn to Psalm 23. We might as well 
have a look at it quickly. We don't have time to do a full Bible study on it. I've got about 20 verses written in my Bible, just as notes from each part of Psalm 23. It's a wonderful Bible study. But I just want to pick a few things out from it. In verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The words are chosen advisedly. Why would the psalmist, David here, in my uh, uh, Bible it says at the heading, David's confidence in God's grace. And David recognises the Lord was his shepherd. He needed to be shepherded. And I shall not want. I won't lack. I won't go without. Now often in life we, we still have this thought, what am I missing out on? And we've got to put those thoughts aside because we've got everything that pertains unto life and godliness given to us by the Lord. Life is not about what we receive now. That's short-term focus, isn't it? Life is about what God has in store for us. We are going to live forever. This life, what is it now, about 84 years average for a lady and 83 for a man, I think it is, or thereabouts, give or take a year or two. It's like a vapour. It flashes past, doesn't it? And all of a sudden you're at the end of that period of time. That is nothing compared to the eternities to come. So looking at this life, sometimes we are very short-term focused. I'm not saying people aren't going through challenges, issues in their life, maybe um, have needs and so on. We won't want in the Lord. We won't lack in our life as we commit our life to the Lord where we submit to the shepherd and allow him to lead us in the way he wants us to go. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. As Philip Keller makes the point about sheep, sheep will not lie down if they're frightened. They won't lie down if they're agitated in some way. They'll only lie down if they feel full, safe, and secure. And that's how the Lord is with us. David says, He makes me to lie down in green pastures. I'm content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We receive that contentment from the Lord. He leads me beside the still waters. Sheep won't drink from running water. So they need still water to be provided pool of water of some sort. Again, he leads me beside the still waters. I'm able to drink from the water the Lord provides. There's so much more we can go into, but we don't have the time. Verse 3, he restores my soul. Annette got up and gave her testimony about being restored, being out in the wilderness for a period of time. But God called her back in. We have a number of testimonies in the assembly like that. God restores our soul. Sometimes we feel like perhaps we've drifted and yet the Lord can restore our soul each and every time. All it takes, get back into a bit of a routine with our prayer, with our reading, our attentiveness to the things that are being spoken (coughs) and uh, maybe seeking out a little bit more fellowship and through that 
we have our soul restored. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Um, you think about paths and you think about sheep. It always amazes me there's a well-worn path that sheep follow. Do you notice? You can see through a paddock where the sheep walk. Well, there's a well-worn path that the shepherd leads us down. The paths of righteousness. It's a good way. It's safe. Don't try and veer off the path. Oh, there's a shortcut over here. I can take that. But it's around the side of the mountain. There's a valley down there and it could be dangerous. And how often do people do that? Stay on the well-worn path. Be led by the Lord in the path of righteousness. Uh, Verse 4 is a wonderful verse. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The valley of the shadow of death is a description of life because we had this sentence of death hanging over us and every person in the world does. They know their time is numbered and so they invest their time and energy into things that are satisfying them now because they don't want to miss out. Don't fall into the trap. Advertising is trying to tell us we lack, we haven't got what we need to be happy in life. You must buy this and then you'll be happy. But no, 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 you've got that. Now you need the latest model. Then you'll be happy. But next year they bring out another model. Oh, this is bigger and better and you must have that one now to be happy. And it's always feeding this way of man. It's the valley of the shadow of death that we walk through. Um, I did want to keep your finger there. Just turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Not far off finishing. Hebrews chapter 2. I think we touched on the scripture on uh, Friday night for those who are in the Bible study. In verse 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had power of death, that is the devil. Now we don't fear death now. We don't live just thinking, well, I've only got a short time on this earth. I've got to make hay while the sun shines. It's not about this life. It's about the future with the Lord. Be long-term focus, not short-term. In verse 15, And delivered them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And it just describes so well that we're in this bondage to this life knowing that we're going to die. And that's how people live their life. And they push the thoughts away, they push the thought away, they fill their life with things to try and make them feel good about themselves, but really they're not filling the void on the inside. And the only thing that fills that is Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit that he gives us to fulfill our lives properly. And we've been delivered from that death and the power of the devil that uh, uh, has people subject to the life that they lead. And we've been freed from that by the Lord. Let's uh, turn back to Psalm 23. The valley of the shadow of death. It says, You are with me. Your staff and your rod, they comfort me. The Amplified Bible brings out your rod to protect and your staff to guide. It's the divine guidance and care of the Lord in our life. 
continually at work within each of us, comforting us, supporting us, giving us what we need to overcome and walk on. Verse 5. You prepared a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. And again, like we read back in John chapter 10 about giving us life and that more abundantly, in the presence of our enemies, as it were, we're surrounded by people in this world and they tell you how you've got to survive and how you've got to enjoy life. For us, the Lord's prepared us a feast before us right now. We're feasting on the word of God. We're feasting on the goodness of the Lord. And that's above anything in this life. We've been anointed with oil, the Holy Ghost, in our life. And our cup runs over. It's ever full from the, from the Lord. Don't look at what we don't have. Look at what we have been given by the Lord. Verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And this is where we are. Just simple folks, simple sheep, following the good shepherd, letting the Lord lead us, being directed, guided, and goodness and mercy following us all the days of our life. And all the people say...